Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter number 12, verse 6. Let's begin from verse 5. But you shall seek the place where the Lord your God chooses out of all your tribes to put his name for his dwelling place and there you shall go there you shall take your burnt offerings your sacrifices your tithes the heave offerings of your hand your vowed offerings your free will offerings and the firstborn of your herd and flocks so the bible mentioned a particular kind of offering in the list of offerings that was called the vow offerings. Now, the NIV calls it the votive offering. All right? So it's the same thing, a vow offering or a pledge. Now, this offering is not an offering that is commanded by God, like we saw in the Old Testament with regards to tithes, hallelujah, and first fruits. You know, God himself gave a command that every first fruit must be brought to his house. And then he gave also a command of his tithes, that the tithes should be brought to his house. But this particular kind of offering, the, the, the votive offering or the vow offering, is where you give a pledge to the Lord, you make a vow to the Lord, all right, based on a condition. All right, now this one wasn't an instruction from God. God did not tell anybody, make a pledge offering to me or make a votive offering. This particular kind of offering is the offering that um, is, is a vow you make based on a condition. All right, so for example, if the Lord will help me to get a job, I will do this. If the Lord will help me to get this, or if the Lord does this, then that I will do. Do we understand what I'm talking about? Are we all here? Now, so that kind of offering is a vow. You make a vow. You make a pledge. All right? To the Lord that if you are able to do this, or if you are going to do this for me, then this I will do. Like I told you, this was not an instruction from God. So the vow offering is not God taking something. It is where you oblige yourself with your word or you bind yourself with your word. Hallelujah. Now, there are a couple of people who did that in the Bible. And um, we can take um, some scriptures to look at that. Let's go to let's go to First Samuel chapter number one. The emphasis is on verse eight, but then for us to get a clearer picture, 
Now there was a certain man of Ramathim Zophim of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zoph, and an Ephraimite. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other Penina. Penina had children. But Hannah had no children. This man went out from his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year, so it was year by year when he went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? So Hannah, ro- Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seats of the Lord. Sorry, the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said. Alright. Then she made a vow and and said, now read the vow. One, two, go. Uh-huh. That's right. Now, so, have mercy on me. All right? She prayed, see the affliction of your maid servant and grant to her a male child. And if you, now underline the word if. Now let's read that again. Uh-huh. Get to where the if is. One, two, go. Hmm. So, if you are going to do this, then I will do this. Are we together? Now, in our modern day, we will simply call it, we will say that the person is taking lottery. So, we say, you don't bait God for God to do something. Alright? I will show you from scripture, that's not true. Hallelujah. It is not lottery. It is act of faith. That God, if you will give me a man's child. Now that means, if I give birth to a woman, that's not what I'm looking for. So if I give birth to a woman, it wasn't given by God. But if you give me a son, then I will give him back to you. Most of you seated here, 
you are that kind of Samuels. Your parents may have prayed that some people, I think it was gifty that I was talking to the dad. And the dad said he had given birth to all boys. And then he, he prayed to God and told God that if you will give me a girl child, and number one, I will name her as gifty and I will give her back to you. Do you understand? And there are some of you seated here, even before you were born, prophecy, somebody might have given a prophecy to your parents. Alright? That your parent, your, your mother or your father, mostly is the women who do that. So, where the person says, God, if you will give me this, I will do this. Alright? That is a vow offering. So, you ask yourself, so what what are some of the things that we can make vows of? Everything. We'll see a couple of them from the scriptures. So, sometimes we are in church and somebody will come and say, oh, um, it's different from Thanksgiving offering. Thanksgiving offering, that we are not going to look at that, but Thanksgiving offering is God has done something for you and you recognize that it's God who did this for me. Then when you come to give thanks to the Lord, you offer up an offering. Do you understand what I'm talking about? So, for example, maybe um, somebody has given birth and a person comes to church to give thanks. Not to testify, but to give thanks. Alright? The person comes and says, I want to bless God. I couldn't conceive and whatever. I was expecting a child. I bless God that throughout the labor, I came out safely. My son or my daughter is also very safe. I want to thank God. I want the church to help me to bless God. And after blessing God, then between you and God, you say, Father, this is an offering to give you thanks. So that is thanksgiving offering. But a vow offering is that you actually told God, I will do this if you do that. I will together in this place. So I will do this if you do that. For example, maybe you are praying about something. Alright? You're praying about something or you're expecting a certain move of God. Then say, Father, if this happens, I will do this. Now let's go to another interesting scripture. Let's, I think we read it, Genesis 28. Twenty-eight. Are you all there? Twenty-eight, twenty. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, "If God will be with me and will keep me on this journey that I take, and will give me food to eat and garment to wear, continue." Uh huh. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Then shall the Lord be my God. So if God is going to protect me and get me to come back home safely, I will worship him for the rest of my life. Do you understand that? Okay, continue. Uh-huh. So, so God, if you are able to give me this, 
I will build you a house. No, are you, are you following that? Are you following that? So number one, I'll worship you forever. That's the first vow. Second vow, Lord, I will build you a temple. I will build you a house. What does that mean in our contemporary language? I'll build a church for the Lord. Father, if you are going to see me through this life that I don't think that I have any help anywhere, and life looks very tough. Father, if you will make me this, I will build you a house. And that kind of thing is not like you just wake up and say, Father, if you make me rich, I'll... mm -mm. It's a certain level of provocation. A certain level of spiritual staring. Hallelujah. Mostly people who made all that kind of vows were people who were at a certain junction of their lives. Certain junction of their lives where maybe the person is trying everything possible. Maybe he has prayed. Maybe he has fasted. Maybe he has read. Maybe he has he's done everything. Then the finality is me and you. Father, if you are able to help me with this, I will do this. Hallelujah. Now we'll look at how it is still valid in the New Testament. Because this is not subject to the law. Praise the name of the Lord. This is not subject to the Lord. I think it was um, Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams who said he was constantly tormented by the devil. Constantly tormented by the devil. I don't know how many of you have heard that testimony. That it would even force him to put his hand on a candle. And it will bend. That's why he lost two of his fingers. It will bend. It, the thing hurts. But there's something that is fixing his hand in the fire. Live. And he didn't know how to get himself out. Then one day he prayed to the Lord. That if you deal with this demon for me. And you will get me on the right path. I will live my life. I will preach your word for the rest of my life. And then, after that prayer, the thing left. And that is how he became Brother Nick. And now, his eminence. Preaching the word. Praise the name of the Lord. Are we together in this place? Yeah. So, if, so that was, so, but vow offering is not just about money. It's like a pledge you make to the Lord, which you mean it. We see from the scriptures. It's not something you just want to do to sway God. The Bible brought, brought the Bible gave a very, I think in Malachi, he says that if anybody gave a pledge to the Lord to offer a certain animal, then at the end of the day, when the Lord had done it, and he brings a blemish, um, a lamp with blemishness, the person has sinned. So it's not like, oh, you give the pledge to the Lord, then after that, when the Lord does the thing, they say, oh, Father, thank you, you are a merciful God. No. It is something that you mean. It is something that you bind yourself with. That's why the Bible also makes a statement. I don't know if you read it. It says, don't, when you come in the presence of God, don't hurriedly and rashly say things. Father, I'll build you heavy. <laughs> you make a lot of promises to the Lord. And then you leave the church and you've forgotten it. See, the Bible says God hates. God, God hates. He hates. 
He hates the vows of fools. Right in the Bible. And what was he talking about? One who vows the Lord and does not pay his vow. Hallelujah. Alright, so that is that. Now, so that was Jacob. Let's look at another instance. Numbers chapter number 21, verse 2. Let's begin from 1. 1, 2, go. Mm-hmm. If you do what? If you give these people, if you are going to, if you will grant me victory, then I will. Do we understand that now? So, if you will give me victory, you remember the man, um, what's his name? Jephthah. He told the Lord that if you help me to win in the battle, whatever comes to meet me first after the war, I will offer to you as a burnt offering or burnt sacrifice. He went to the war. God gave the Bible, actually, God gave him the victory. And then he came and he was his only daughter. Who came to meet him? Now, a lot of people ask the question, why did God accept the offering of his daughter? Anyway, number one, the Bible never said that he offered her. Alright? The Bible never said he offered her. The Bible never said he bent her. What is written there is that he vowed a vow. The daughter came to meet. And that's where the story ended. If God wanted us to know what happened to the daughter, would have known. Alright? So whether later God said, Don't you know Abraham's own? When he went, God's what God God wanted us to know more. Do you understand that? Uh-huh. But Jephthah's own is alright, it's okay. So this place, now let's meet behind the curtain. So maybe God even met Jephthah and said, Never make such a nonsense vow again. Don't use a human being. How would you know? Hallelujah. But then what we are trying to learn here is that. The vow offering is that offering that is conditional. Alright? Father, if you do this for me, I bind myself to also do this for you. Now someone says, what can man do for God? Man can never do anything for God. If God wants anything, he can do it. That's not exactly so. Alright? When God needed to build a tabernacle, he took money from people. Hallelujah. Yeah, so you don't say if God wants to do it, God does not God does not need us to make a vow. Now think about it. Does God need us to make a vow before he performs? No. God says, All right, if you don't make a vow, be there. Let's see what will happen to you. Then God watch watches you to die because you didn't make a vow. That would be a very crazy God. But you see. The vows that we make, I'll teach you that. Maybe today. The vows that we make is able to rightly position us to receive. The vows are able to rightly position you to receive. 
Are we together in this place? Let's go to Psalm number one, three, two. Very, very important vow. Lord, remember David and all his affliction. Now, this, of course, is likely not to be not to have been written by David. All right, all right. Lord, remember David and all his afflictions. He swore how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob. Surely, I will not go into the chamber of my house or go up to the comfort of my bed I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. Hallelujah. Behold, we heard of it in Ephrathah. We found it in the fields of the woods. Let us go into the tabernacle. Let us worship at his foot to arise, O Lord, to your resting place. Now, this is what he says. So he says that, David gave a vow to the Lord. I will not sleep. I will not slumber. I will not go to my house. I will not go to bed. Except I have made a dwelling place for the Lord. Hi. Praise the name of the Lord. Come on, are we together in this place? I will not. See, so... (laughs) This is a place that we must build for the Lord. I believe that it was communicated to everybody. We want to build a church or want to build a place for the Lord. Some went to their beds. Some were not serious about it. Some, if you call them, they will not pick up. You know, everybody was doing his own thing. But then one man arose in the midst of the multitude and said, I will not be like the others. I will not give my eyes sleep. I will not slumber. I will not rest on my bed until we have found a place, a resting place for the Lord. Until the house of the Lord is built, I will not sleep. That is a vow. Hallelujah. Come on. It's like a commitment, something you commit yourself to and bind yourself with. Hallelujah. Come on, are we together in this place? So that kind of offering is more of a personal thing. Are we together? It's not something, for example, so uh, we are all coming together to. Mm-mm. It's something that is very personal. It's a decision you make. It's a, it's a vow that you make. It's like an oath that you take. That, Father, if this is able to be done, I will do this. Or, Father, looking at this, this I will do. Praise the name of the Lord. So, like, I think I was watching a video. When was that? early this morning or late night about a, a, a woman who, maybe I'll share the video on our church page, about a woman who was an orphan, I think, and the mother had to leave her and stuff like that, you know, and was raised by a refugee, a poor refugee woman in the slums. Very poor. 
And the lady had to struggle and struggle and struggle and struggle to become an air hostess or something. So they lighted at either Bangladesh or something, I think in India or somewhere. And then she decided to just walk around the town, you know. And there she's walking around. Then she gets to this particular place full of poor children. Very poor. Dejected. They don't have what to eat and what have you. Then with tears in her eyes, then she made a vow that I will take 600 children from this place out of poverty. Now she didn't have the means. Guess what the lady did? The lady stopped everything and said she needs to raise money for that. And what the work she's doing cannot help. Do you know the best decision that came into her mind? She has to break, I think, six or so Guinness Book of Records. And the money she gets, she used that to, 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 for the project. And this lady had to do athletics. Had to either run or something. Six different things she has no knowledge about. She committed herself to it until she was able to break either six or ten. And all the money she got, she used that to raise the children out. Six hundred solid children from poverty. And saw them through school till they they have to finish. So like a vow, something that you actually commit yourself to. And it's not, it's not, it's not something you just do because your emotions are heightened. It's something that you do with a purpose. It's something that you do with intentionality. It's, a, it's something that you do with consciousness and reverence to God. I always say that it takes one who fears God and who honors God to be able to make a vow to God and pay it. Because you see, if your mind is very, if you treat God anyhow, even your vow to the Lord, you will not be, you will not honor it. And you will not feel any form of guilt or whatsoever. You will just dishonor your vow and you'll be okay. You'll still pray in tongues. Hallelujah. Now let's look at what the Bible says about these offerings. Let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter number 5. Let's begin from 1. Walk prudently when you go to the house of God. It means that when you are going to church, walk with wisdom. Hallelujah. Walk prudently when you are going to the house of God. And draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools. (laughs) For they do not know that they do evil. Do not be rash with your mouth and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. For God is in heaven and you on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. (laughs) Hallelujah. Okay. For a dream comes through much activity and a fool's voice is known by his many words. Imagine if you read this, you should be able to Find a way of shutting your mouth. Do you understand? He says a fool is known by many words. If you see anybody who talks and does not break, I didn't write this thing. The Bible says what? 
The person can talk from Monday to Saturday. The person doesn't get tired. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 1. Chapter 5, verse 1. Come on, verse 1. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it. The Bible says when you make a vow to the Lord, do not delay. Uh huh. Come on, talk to me, everybody. Do not delay. Come on, talk to me, everybody. Do not delay to pay it. For he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. Better not to vow than to vow and not pay. Do not let your mouth cause your flesh to sin. Hallelujah. And nor say before the messenger of God that it was an error. (laughs) Hallelujah. Did you see that? So the Bible says when you make a vow, do not delay to pay it. Now what does that mean? When you make a vow and you see the thing come to pass, don't delay to pay it. Because God has no pleasure in fools. And who is a fool? One who makes a vow and then what? Does not pay. See, so as part of our work of faith, we can put God to the test by making vows. Not just getting up every morning and making a vow. You understand? You wake up and you say, Father, I'm up again. Another vow. I'm hooking you with a vow. No. If we so trust in his power, see, every Christian comes to a point in his life where it feels like, it's like God is not hearing me clearer. Every human being, you know that in Christ, when you pray, God hears. You know that the Bible says the will of God to hear you. But then there comes this particular day or time where you spend time to pray and you know that you have prayed. And it looks like it ain't working. Charlie, let's be sincere. It's not like it's not working. Mm -mm, It's working. Sometimes the reason why these things delay is simple. We are not properly aligned to receive. Take, for example, you ask me for a wallet. I'm giving you a wallet. Stretch forth your hands towards Marty. I'm giving you a wallet and this is it. Did I answer his request or not? Come on, did I or not? So who is at fault here? He. So a lot of people pray to God for things and they are not rightly positioned to even receive. Because you see, the Bible says God is a giver. We never pray and God says, I will not answer. Alright? Because even when God tells you no, it's an, it's an answer. That is good for you. Hallelujah. Let's take for example, you're praying, oh God, I want to be married to this pastor. And God says no. Then later you find out that if you had married this pastor, you would die. Did God answer your prayer or he didn't answer? He answered your prayer. 
Or maybe we're praying to God for. Sometimes it is the latter end that you'll be able to put the pieces together to know that, wow, it was God throughout. But when you were in the heat, it wasn't God. It didn't look like God. Hallelujah. No, just pick this guy's own, for example. Maybe you completed junior high school, you had eight A's, and then computer put you in smarts. It was one of Wise's greatest regret. Why should a school put me here? Then he's praying that the father can work out some magic and not so that he will not come. But here you here you go come. And it was here he met the Lord. Do you understand what I'm talking about? So sometimes the beginning and the, when we are in the process of the things, we don't understand all the story. It's just like paragraph one. Do you understand? Like paragraph one. And then the, the conclusion is somewhere at page 84. You are right now in page two. Paragraph one. It doesn't make sense. You will cry. You will be sad. Sometimes you'll be disappointed. Sometimes you'll be happy. Sometimes it looks like, oh, God has everything in control right now. Then suddenly you feel like God has lost the steering. All of that put together. But you see, we always need to understand the, the nature of God. The Bible calls him a giver. The Bible says he is always giving. So if we are not always receiving, it means that we are not rightly aligned. One of the ways scripturally that aligns us to receive from God is faith actions. It's faith actions. And one of faith actions is making vows to the Lord that are based on faith, not emotions. Hallelujah. One of the ways to rightly position ourselves, right, is through faith actions. To receive is through faith, faith actions. So a lot of people think that, oh, it's like you are bribing God. So God is like, you know, they present it as though God is not giving. So when you do that thing, it forces God to give. No. Because God is naturally a giver. You cannot induce God to give. You can't, you can't wind the hand of God to give. You know, some people even say that prayer moves the hand of God. Prayer doesn't move God's hands. No. Say pray until something happens. That's nonsense. We don't pray until something happens. As though God is God. So we pray. Ah, then God say, ah, 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 fire, fire everywhere. I'll do, I'll do, I'll do. No, that's stupid. No, that's not it. That's how people make it feel like pray until something happens. You see, you see persistence breaks resistance. That's why you are jumping like that. You don't know what you're talking about. No. He says when the hand of God is not moving and we start praying, the hand of God begins to move. As if God is there. He says, you want to move our hand? Uh-uh. I'm not. Then prayer. Then we pray. Then God says, ah, I'm moving. No. God's hand is always moving. Now we have to be rightly positioned. You know what Jacob said? Jacob said, ah, God is here. And I didn't know. Do you think that was the place God was? God is everywhere. 
Alright? It is when we are aligned in our consciousness and in our spirits that we are able to receive. Yesterday, Pastor Ezra came to me and I was sharing some things with him. And he asked me, ah, so this thing, like, how, how do you, like, how, how do they, how, is there like a special atmosphere or something like, because you make it look very simple. I'll share with him the lines the Lord wants us to go as a church next year. Some of the communications that have come to me. And he asked that question. And I said, you know what? It's not, even as we are here, I just need to just be on the bed and get my mind and my everything concentrated on one or two scriptures and get myself in the whole thing. I'll come up with something. Do you understand what I'm talking about? So it's not God that is not giving. It's not God that is whose hand. The Bible says his hand is not shortened to save. It's not short that it cannot save. Neither his ears block or deaf that he cannot hear. Do you understand? In Isaiah 59, then he tells the people, but it's because of your sins. So it means that God is always a hearer. But there is something from the people that restricts the people from receiving. Do you understand? Hallelujah. Now, if you're not part of our class, you don't understand. You don't really understand what I mean. But you see, so here, it's not like God is not giving. The vow offering is not like vow for God to do. Mm -mm. It is more more of something that will put you in the same frequency to receive. So when you see a Christian who does not make vows to the Lord, or a Christian who doesn't pray, who does not do all those kind of faith actions, he's always like that. He's just like that. Like a Christian who does not believe that prayer is powerful, who does not believe going to church makes anything, who does not believe reading the Bible makes anything, who does not believe that having your quiet time makes anything, they believe that you can just walk around this world and claim that you're a Christian and just be a Christian. You will still be a Christian if sincerely you were born again. But the truth is that all the benefits that are available to you, you are not rightly positioned to make use of them. I want to get in this place. So prayer does not make God do anything. No. Prayer aligns you. Going to church does not make God bless you. It aligns you because church is one of the places where when you come to, you are rightly taught and then you are rightly aligned to receive of God. Do you understand? You know that you could have, you this words that I'm speaking to you, you can hear it on the radio. You can hear it anywhere. But you decided to come here. Do you understand? It means that this place is one of the places that you can hear me this evening. So if you really want to hear me, you should be here. Now, if you are not here, those who are not in church, in their homes, I am not talking. Does that mean I'm not talking? I'm still talking. But just that they are not at the right place at the right time. And they are not rightly aligned to hear me talk. That's our problem with God right now. That's our problem. God is doing things. God is blessing lives. God is changing lives. God is answering prayers every single day. Why is it that a lot of Christians have problems of their prayers not being answered? Because they are not rightly aligned. And one of the ways to get yourself aligned is to make vows of faith to the Lord. 
Praise the name of the Lord. I read a testimony, I think it was um, a, Pente- a church of Pentecost couple or something. Very rich. And they, t- they were looking for a child. And they had prayed for years. I don't know if it's 17 or something. But it was around 7 or 17. And then they, had, they, they prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. Then one day, they were having a convention or something. A Christmas or Easter convention. Then they went together as a couple planned. And during the service, they actually, it was, a, it was an Easter convention. They said when the man of God was talking about the resurrection. Alright, that anything that is dead. Alright, rises up. The, that prophecy fell off from the man of God. But they had planned that as we are going, we'll make a vow to the Lord. That if God is going to give us a child or children, we will build, we will single-handedly, me and my wife, we will single-handedly build an auditorium and finish it with chairs complete for the Lord. Yeah, they made that vow in a year's time, in one year. What they have been praying about for 70 years or seven years, just in one year, the woman conceived. Does that mean that it was the offering that made, it was the vow that made God to answer? No. No. God always answers. But it brought them to a place of reception. That is the mystery around these things. Hallelujah. There's a very powerful man of God, um, not a man of God, a very powerful businessman in Ghana. He's into furnitures. His name is called Pogas. I know how many of you know Pogas Furnitures. Good. I don't know who shared that testimony, but the man was very... You shared that testimony with me. Yes. I said the man was... He's tried everything. Everything. He wasn't giving birth or something. And people were even laughing at him that he had used his children or whatever. He has used whatever, whatever for, for money. Then the man went to Apostle General, Sam Kranjianga. Alright? And the man was not even there or something like that. Then he went to finish his office and what have you and all of that. Without like a surprise, the man came and was surprised and told him to kneel down, prayed for him. And a year's time, the man and the wife conceived. These things work. I want to say that again. These things work. Hallelujah. I said these things do what? They work. They work. You see, our problem with our generation is that we make light things that are sacred. And we don't we don't care about them. And number two, because we are not taught. We are not taught. No, for somebody who has been for 17 years has prayed, seen prophets, seen what have you. And nothing came out of that. And the person makes a vow to the Lord and then conceives. This cannot be science. This can't be science. It cannot be science. Hallelujah. It can't be science. But somebody will just be there in the barrenness and die. It's an act of faith. I mean, think about, think about Hannah goes to the Lord and say, if you will give me a man child, not a child, but if you give me a man child, he gives, he gives specificity to it. If you give me a man child, then 
I will offer him to the Lord. I will bring him back to you. And the Bible says, a year back from that time, she conceived and gave birth. Now, this was not a requirement in the law. I don't know who began that, and I don't know where that thing came from, but reading the Bible, it looked like it was there already. So, it's like an ancient practice. And that is what you see, and there are similarities in the worship of deities. Alright? A lot of things that we do in Christianity, they do it in shrines. That means the devil knows where the original is and he counterfeited it. So in the shrines, people go there and they go and make vows. Those kind of things, those kinds of things work. It is a show number one of your dependence on that deity that you worship. Praise the name of the Lord. And it brings you to the place to receive of that deity. But you know what? Amazingly, when, when the church of Pentecost came to the village and other churches joined, the God there has not been talking again. Hallelujah. He has not been talking again. The fetish princess is dead. They don't even, he has not even gotten power to catch anybody again. So there's no shrine in the village now. Nobody wants to shrine. Well, I think last three years or so, they said that God says that they should kill animals and use their blood to spring. Nobody even did it. They didn't have time. Everybody is wild. We're all looking for money, sir. If you want, you go and kill something to eat. Do you understand? But the point I want to make is that it positions you to be able to receive. It positions you. There are people who have been able to get employment through that. There are people who have been able to get opportunities through that. There are people who have been able to break through through that. Without any capital. Without any knowing somebody or not knowing somebody. And it worked. Hallelujah. It's not just about being a formula. It's because you see, first of all, if you don't honor God, you can't even do that. Because even if you say it, you break it. Oh, Father, you know. Huh. Uh, God, if you, if you, you know, if you know what you want to say. Father, if you give me a lot of money, I'll be a great pastor. You know what the Bible says? Oh, man of God, flee from these things. Hallelujah. So the vow offering is that kind of offering that you pledge on condition if the Lord is going to do that. Come on, do we all agree with that? Okay. Let us get into the word again. Let's read Proverbs chapter 20. Let's do Numbers 30 first. Numbers 30, 20, then we get to Verse 2. There are a lot of things to be said on that, but I would just want to limit it to this explanation. Alright, let's read it. Verse 1 and 2. Uh-huh. 
That's right. Mm-hmm. He shall do all that proceeds out of his mouth. Do you understand? So, now read the verse 2 again. Let me underline some words for you. Uh-huh. To the Lord. Uh-huh. 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 So, if a man vows a vow, uh-huh, to, if he vows a vow to the Lord, all right, or swears an oath, uh-huh, to bind himself by what? Do you understand? So when you make up a vow, 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 when you make up a pledge, it binds you. Alright? So it's something that binds you. What it means is that your integrity is at stake. Do you understand? Yeah. And the Bible says when that happens, what should happen? The person should what? Come on. Look into the word. The person should what? To do according to all that is spoken. You spoke to the Lord that if you give me a job, 15% 15% of my salary every month will go to you. There should not be a particular month that you tell the Lord that, Father, you know this month I'm paying rent. It doesn't work like that. Hallelujah. Come on. You don't say, Father, give me this and I'll give you that. When the thing comes, you say, oh, Father, you know, let, can we make it next month? You are the Bible calls you a swindler. Malachi 114. Malachi 114. One, two, go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So cursed be the deceiver. Cursed be the swindler. Who has a male? Uh huh. Who has a male? A male what? A male in his flock, meaning that uh, in his flock that. Come on. So the person says, Lord, if you do this for me, I will give you the male in my flock. I mean, the best. Then God says, right. We are on this. You are rightly to re- you are rightly positioned to receive. Now, the person gets it. Then the person goes like, all right, so the male is left with one. Get the female there. It's, it's, also, it's, it's not the same, lad. Put it there. Is it? Then, then God calls you a swindler. A deceiver. And the Bible says, such a person is what? Cursed. I said, I'm born again. I cannot be cursed. In Christ, I'm uncursable. The way you are saying you're uncursable and you're able to deceive God, you are cursed. (laughs) 
See, the Bible calls you a swindler. The Bible doesn't mean when you say somebody is a swindler, the person who plays tricks and somebody who whose tricks was played on God. You tricked God. That's what the Bible is saying. Yeah. Or the J fans. Can you imagine that? There are pastors who are swindlers. There are pastors, they do fundraising. Okay, um, 540 na mumra, mumra, emom pai emamu. Um, me so for ankasa. Anyway, so yamia revisa nya sorin kwan ebinyan shira. Yes, so so for a pain shira. One no a kaya chara so for no. Yes, 500 cities. 500 cities. Now, all of you are waiting if I'll put it in. No, I'm just doing an example. <laughs> yeah, 500 cities. 500 cities. Five, then people will be coming because Pastor has given. If Pastor wants blessing, who am I? Then people are coming. Then they will all put it inside the offering bowl. Rainbow. After church, when you are all gone home, then at the church office. So sometimes when they take the money and they do. So, Pastors has to. 500 again. Okay, this one is 150. So it's a 150 again. Or maybe 160. One, two, three, two, one, six, six. 184 now. All kind of camera. It's evidence. No, it's a 180. Right after church, is, church has closed. And all the members who gave the money are gone home. So before we talk about the percentage, give me my. You don't that you don't think these things happen? They happen. A lot of the pastors that claim they have grace to collect money. That's what they do. And you see, why do you think when churches want to raise harvest, they go and invite a pastor who may not even be in their local church? There's nothing wrong if we say we are raising money for God, for a project or whatever. There's nothing wrong with that. But why do you go to bring a dramatic preacher? Hallelujah. So there are pastors who are tricksters. There are Christians who are tricksters. They are doing it. Some people also will do it for the thing. And the Bible says, when you trick God, you are cursed. It doesn't matter whether in the New Testament or in the Old Testament. No, you are cursed. The perfect example we can have is Ananias and Sapphira. You see, if you have not made the vow, there's no problem. The moment you make the vow, it binds you. And you have to be up for whatever consequence that comes with it. Are we together in this place? Yeah. So, they never went to Ananias and Sapphira and said, bring all your land. Mm -mm. It was a general thing people were doing. Oh, I have three lands. I'll sell two so we can. Then this one also came and gave a vow. Oh, we also have three lands at our backyard. I believe it was at Safira. So me and my husband will, will, will bring it. We'll bring it tomorrow. We'll bring everything tomorrow. Then Peter says, all right, no problem. Bring it. Bring it to the Lord. Then they get in there and what? Sorry. So they bring it to the Lord. The next day, they went to sell the land. Here is Safira, honey. It's too much. He said, "What is too much?" He said, "No, we are not taking. We are not. We are not going to. So let's let's keep. Back. 
let's speak, let's keep back. Let's let's keep part of it. Say, what are you saying? Why are you not able to say take God? So I say, let us keep part of it. Say, no, 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 we have to say something. So are you sure everybody is bringing everything? Then it was this. Then they kept part of it. Do you think if God was not interested, Peter would have known? Who showed it to Peter that they have kept part of the money? Who? Oh, oh, grace people. I know I've told you it's not God who killed them. It was Peter who killed them. But who brought the killing? Who showed them? How did Peter get to know that they had kept part of the money? Come on, are we together in this place? Yes, sir. Who showed it to Peter? Let's get there. Acts chapter 5. But a certain man, Ananias, a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira, his wife, sold the possession and kept back part of the price. His wife also being privy to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? So this is Peter. How did Peter get to know? Because this is between just the man and the wife. So how Peter was not there. But when they came and they put the money down at his feet, then the Spirit of God told Peter, it's not true. They have kept back parts of it. Then Peter, if it was John, John would have just let it go. Then Peter says, not here. Papa, asasina mokotoyeno. Asasina mokotoyeno. Why have you kept back part of it? Next verse. Read the next verse. Uh-huh. So what do you think Ananias and Sapphira's issue was about? What kind of offering was it about? Like a vow offering. Alright? Good. So what was the next one? Uh-huh. One, two, go. While Don't care about your version. Just read it. One, two, go. Uh-huh. So when you promise to give something, even in the New Testament, mind you, this is I, Holy Ghost has come. If you promise to give something to the Lord and you keep back part of it, you have lied not to your pastor, you have lied not to the leaders, you have lied to the Spirit of God. And Christians should not do that. Are we together in this place? So what happens? Uh huh. When Ananias heard these things, he fell down 
and he died. Now someone says, so why did God do that? Why is that? The, pe- the thing is not, why did God do that? What is the moral lesson there? When you make a vow, pay it. Case closed. It's, this is not about who did what. Mm-mm. Whether it's God, whether it's Peter, it's the Holy Ghost, whoever it is, when we go to heaven, we'll be shown on the screen. But what we learn here is that you don't make a vow and then keep back part of it. Now let's go to the wife. It's amazing. So it means that the early church, they were not gossips. Nobody ran, hey, Safi, 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 Safi. Nobody went. No, imagine if it's today. Their wife is home. And their wife, their husband is dead. Ah, three hours. Ah, no, not three hours now. The moment you die, as you were leaving the church, somebody has come around. It's, it's, it's very unfortunate right now we are in the church and you, you don't, you can't even imagine what the apostle did. It, 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 it's pathetic and we don't know what churches are being turned into right now. And so if you have to be on Instagram by then, I say, ah, ah, is this on my husband? Ah, what, 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 what's happening? But they weren't like that. If there was no social media, you know what they would have, if it's a gossip church, someone has just like, he's going to urinate. I'm like, oh God, hmm. Don't lie. Don't. Hmm. Don't lie. Then he gets out of the church. Don't. don't. Hey, Safi! Safi! Safi will be like, ah, what's the problem? What? What's the, is this? Safi? He said, talk, talk. He said, ah, ah, ah. He said, ah, I don't know what to say. Can somebody tell me? Three hours. Safira didn't know. Imagine, even when she was coming and she was getting close, she still didn't know. When she entered the, entered the church, Nobody did any strange face. Like, <laughs> no. Uh huh. What happened? Uh huh. Continue. After an interval of three hours. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Mm hmm. To test, so it's it's a lie and it's a test of the spirit of God. Hallelujah. No wonder the Bible says this is the reason why some of you are weak and some are even dead among you. Right in the book. He said, Ah, is Christians can cause harm to themselves by virtue of walking in foolishness. I like how your eyes just popped open. With regards to the communion, um, um, the last feast and all of that, the apostles, this is the reason why some of you are, are weak and some are sick among you and others are dead. Because you don't discern the Lord's body. You don't know what the body of Christ is. There is a naked wire. You go and touch it and you die. It's not the fault of ECG. You didn't know what it was. So your foolishness killed you. Do you understand? I want to get in this place. Yeah. So they asked Safira. So when they got, everybody was quiet and they were watching. Hello, Safi. Yeah, come here. Did you sell the land for so and so? I said, yes. Yes, we did. Where's my husband? Yes, we did. He said, hold on. It's not your husband now. Wait. 
why have you also decided? And that's what Safira, Peter made sure he cursed Safira to death. They said, the legs that carried your husband out, they just left. They'll come and carry you. Die. Then she also died. But amazingly, when she died, what happened? Read it. Next verse. Uh-huh. 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 You know, it's amazing. So three hours, when they were coming, another corpse was there. I don't know when she died. Peter said, nobody should die. Let her be there. When they come, they will carry her. Because the Bible said when they came, she was lying down. So it means she has died. Then they carried her out. Then what happened? So great fear came upon all the church. Uh-huh. And upon all who heard these things. So when they died, it brought fear upon the church. Godly reverence that, ah, we're not supposed to joke with God anyhow. See, that's what he said. He says in Malachi, he says that I am a great king. Malachi 1.14, read that again. For I am a great king, saith the Lord of hosts. And my name is to be feared among all nations. So the Christians say, eh, it, it's not a matter of, eh, it's not a matter of, I'm not under law, I'm under law. The fear of the name of the Lord, if you fear the Lord, you will not swindle the Lord. Come on, are we together in this place? If you are not going to make any vow, don't make it. But if you make the vow, what do you have to do? You have to pay it. How many of you have ever made a vow to the Lord? Like you've ever made a vow before to the Lord? Let me see your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay. How many of us made a vow and what you vowed or what you made a vow on came to pass? Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six. And you paid your vow. Lift your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six. Let's go to some 50. Some 50. Let's do verse 14. All right, now let's read it together. One, two, go. Offer to God thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Lord. Now, Proverbs 7, 14, he says, I was due to offer peace offering. Today, I have paid my vows. Hallelujah. Psalm 66, verse 13, I shall come into your house with burnt offerings. I shall pay you my vows. So when you make a vow, you have to pay. Now, Let's conclude with this. Your vows are tied to your integrity. Don't allow or don't make God see you as a fool. Don't also rush in making pledges. Hallelujah. Come on, can I say that again? 
don't rush in making because you see pledges are also part of vows like that's why i say i'm not going to go into details for example we say oh we are building this we are doing this we need 10 people to give us this or maybe everybody give a hundred ghana cities don't get up only by faith because the moment you get up you are captured in god's system that you have vowed you have pledged then they are calling you you are not answering you can't even go to church again because when you see pastor rabbi he will tell you where is my money do you know that a lot of people have stopped church because of pledges yeah yeah the people have stopped churches i mean all kinds of churches i don't know maybe this church may be part but you know the person just get up to make the vow i'll give 200 ghana cities I give 5,000 Ghana cities. You pledge 5,000. Now we're asking you, where is, when is the money coming? Say, don't worry, it will come. Just God is working out something. No, vow is not about God doing. Vow is you doing. I say, God, God will bring the money. Please, pledges, God does not bring the money. Pledges, you bring the money. So you don't hurriedly rush in making pledges. Think about it. Look at the possibilities of it before you rush or before you, you get up. Now, except the Lord leads your heart to take that journey of faith. Hallelujah. Come on, are we together? Because you see, the statistics is that if 100 people pledged, okay, if 100 people pledged, only 7% are able to pay. And 7% out of 100 is 7 those who pay full. And then you have about maybe 13% who pay half. You have more than 75% of them not honoring. How many of you still owe this church a pledge? A lot of you. I can't even call your names. But it should not be so. That's why before you make up, it's better not to pledge at all than to pledge and not pay. I'm teaching you how to be a solid Christian. Hallelujah. You don't get things to crisscross your path. And there are some things you don't even have explanation to it. They are happening. You don't even have explanation. You don't know where they are coming from. Maybe God is, God is, God is working against you. I said, God is for me. He's not against you. He's, he's telling you he killed somebody. Don't you see he killed somebody? <laughs> That's just by the way. I'm not saying God killed somebody. I'm just making a joke out of that. But listen don't make pledges in hurry most often than not don't even follow the euphoria to make pledges the message is powerful and they will say we are raising you already in tears you just fell down you just went under the power you were slain by the holy ghost you got up now you are coming to make pledge he said, I'll give 70 billion. <laughs> you are still in the spirit. When the spirit clear, when the spirit come out from your eye. No, how, since how many of you have made pledges and you go to me like, ah, are you okay? You look at yourself, are you okay? Like, where, where do you think you are going to get that money from? There are steps of faith on that. that no doubt about it. But kindly take time and think. 
That's what the New Testament calls. It says that whatsoever you purpose in your heart, so you don't have to be induced. All right, you don't have to be induced. Of course, the word of God is coming. You can go with the word of God, solid, but don't be induced. You know, sometimes we can even preach on sowing into the life of a man of God and stuff like that. And at the end of the day, you end up giving all your money to men of God. Today, yesterday, I was telling Pastor Ezra something. We mentioned one young guy who is preaching, and um, he was saying, This guy is not growing. And I said, Oh, don't worry. As the person grows, you when you grow, you stop a lot of things. You know, like you see, or you are there, then you go and give money to a man of God. You are sowing into the life of the man of God who is not even your pastor in the first place. Somebody who is in the church, then you go and sow. Say, This man is a proud. I want to tap into your prophetic. Please, please. When you grow, you know that there's nothing inside. You stop. You just stop. You know, there are people who have those kind of things. Oh, no, my sophobia on Kanya, me ask him trainer that when we said the ocean come or TV, so oh, yeah, oh, cool, 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 I'm tapping. You are tapping what? Is it a pipe or what? It is nonsense. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm tapping. What are you tapping? Sit down at the feet of the word of God and let God's word disciple you and listen to your pastor. You'll be fine. So, a Christian, he has more than 10 pastors as his mentor. Very soon, you become mentors. Sit down, be built by the word of God. Practice the word. All right. Put yourself through scriptural and spiritual exercises, and you'll be fine. How did the apostles develop the anointing? They developed Jesus' way of imparting people with anointing is through discipleship. Jesus never for once tapped from anybody or allowed anybody to tap ministerial anointing from him. Name one. If either you are part of the disciples or you don't check your Bible. Where do we get these things from? Did you ever hear of any of the apostles creating a tap a, a ministry of tapping center? Peter went to preach in Samaria and then somebody wanted to come and tap. Peter nearly killed the person. The person was fast. Unlike Ananias and Sapphira, he said, please pray to your God that all this thing you have said will not come upon me. I don't want to die now. Peter nearly killed the man. So you don't, those things, you know, they don't, they don't, they don't. so people can be teaching you on that and stuff like that. And by the time you realize, you go and maybe you heard a preacher say, I sold my TV, I sold my fridge, I sold my bed, I sold my bulb, I broke my wall, and then I added the sand, and then I added my slippers, and I added my water closet, then I went to give. And this, this is why I am anointed like that. You have forgotten that this guy. That's not what I did. You have to be intelligent with your giving. Not cannot be intelligent with your giving. Hallelujah. Yes, and that is why in the New Testament we'll get there. All these things that I've spoken about and what have you. It's, they are not rules. Alright? When you walk by faith, you see that they are simply working around you. And you don't have to do anything dramatic. Hallelujah. So you have to be intelligent with the whole thing. And walk with faith on that. Alright? I'm not saying you get up in the morning and say, Father, I make a vow. They taught me in church we are making a vow. No. I'm teaching you an offering in the scriptures. When we get to the New Testament way of giving, you will love it. You will love it more. Hallelujah. 
because I know you are loving this one. So it's very important. So what is what what is what is a vow offering? Based on a condition. Father, if you are going to do this for me, I will do that. Father, if this happens, I will do this. Maybe you are even going for a job interview. And the whole thing, they tell you that, oh, they, they, they are looking for only two people. And you are 649. And you know it's not like you are the best like that. But you can actually receive favor. Say, Father, if I get this particular hot cake, my so-so-and-so is that. That is your personal vow to the Lord. And the moment that happens, what do you do? What do you do? You know, the Bible didn't say that give your vow. That's, uh-huh, that's the closing mark I was looking for. The Bible didn't say give your vow. You pay. It means that what? The moment you make a vow, you owe God. When you owe a bank, see, see what they do to you. So, like, when you make a vow, you are under obligation to pay. Alright? It's a personal thing. Paul made some vows that he made a vow that for the sake of the gospel, he will become all things to all men. So, there was some point he gets to and he has to shave. And he shaved. Because he had made a vow that wherever I'm going, where, who, even if I come and say, one year must be covered, I'll cover it so that I can get the chance to preach to you. So, there's vow unto God, there's vow unto self, there's vow unto people. Hallelujah. Yeah, you are, you are a parent. You tell your son, if you're, able to, if you're able to be first in class, I'll buy you a laptop. The child learns, and then here you are. The child is first. Then you say, don't worry, we don't have a laptop. Can you use yam? No. So, your integrity is at stake. Are we together in this place? All right, let's lift up our two hands as we rise up to our feet. And open your mouth and bless the name of the Lord for the revelation of his word. I have in me the bird. 